Hi, Allie. How are you? Hey, I'm full of Mexican food and I'm happy and full. Yeah? And this- full of queso. <laughs> what? <laughs> what did you get for de- What did you eat besides queso? No, I just got a bowl of queso. That's I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Uh, I want a vat of queso, please. <laughs> Bring the tub out. Yeah. Uh, it's called pollo loco, and it's chicken and cheese over a bit of rice. But instead of rice, I did vegetables. And uh, and Jesse got the biggest burrito I've ever seen in my life. Did he eat it all? Yes, he did. Of course, he did. <laughs> um. So you had a for your uh, side gig <laughs> or your part time job. You a, are a dance coach, and you guys yes. had a competition this past weekend. How did it go? What's the latest? It was very bizarre. Yeah. Um, usually they're very very tiring all day events that you prepare for to show up. At like six in the morning and you don't leave till like six in the evening. It's like a, yeah, it's intense. So this year with COVID, I mean, I'm glad we were still able to compete at all. It was uh, stretched out. So you're not there the whole day. You show up, you're on deck, you you, uh, practice and then you perform and you leave the building immediately. Okay. So you so, can't see any of those perfor- other performances? No, there. no. Are they recorded? Like, can you see them? They had a live stream that people could pay $7 for, and then the live stream broke. Of course it did. Yeah, and there was two spectators allowed per dancer, but you had to sit in a certain spot in the bleachers. So it was mm-hmm. very, very organized, which is great, but right, it was weird. And, so- and we don't find out um, scores until tonight. Really? Two days later, yeah. But they, it's usually the day of, because it's everybody there. Yeah, we usually sit and they do awards everybody together. But we have no idea how we did against the other schools until tonight. Wow. that's That yeah. sucks for those girls. Uh, who I'm just glad we could perform, honestly. It was right. still exciting, nervous energy. It was still a lot of fun. I'm glad we got to do it. Well, that what is that like for you, given that you were used to be a part of that team? And yeah, it's kind of like full circle, I think. Um, Do you cry a lot? He's like, back in my day. No, (laughs) maybe in a couple of years, maybe next year. Uh, I try to keep some of the traditions alive, but some of them are a little bit too far gone. And the seniors are always not very open to change. And that's not the case this year. We've done really well this year, but... um, it's I'm like not old enough to not remember my time on the dance team, except we still have the same uniforms. It's a weird age between when I was on the team and now like I'm not that old. I know. So it feels yeah. very close, but very distant at the same time. Yeah. You're yeah. What are you, what are you doing over there? Sir? My th- top. What do you call this thing? Allie? Nope. Call it. Call it by the right name. I. My front spit guard. Spit guard. <laughs> I don't know what it's called. What is it? A pop filter. <laughs> so the you don't pop. Well, it popped off, and oh, I gotta speak it up. Pop. Gotta fix it. Can I get my assistant in here? 
Well, that's all really cool. I mean, I don't know. Remember Thanks. how? To, yeah, I think that's really fun. I enjoy it. I'm just tired. <laughs> and how? Well, and how often do you do that coaching? Typically, in regular times, or is it the same? Uh, we did. We're uh one day a week right now. Last year we were two, but okay. Since we have to be socially distanced from other athletics and stuff, we had very slim pickings on when we have space at the school. So, okay, all right. Well, I can't wait to hear how you all do. That'll be really fun and exciting for the girls to. Yeah, uh, I'm learn. excited too. Well, let's transition into our guest that we did. Uh, this was we were fortunate enough to record my uncle Will. And he just has a really interesting story that I, you know, was thought, you know, was different than a lot of people and could be shared and could be pulled and relatable. So, Allison, what did you think about him? Honestly, when he starts talking about his diagnosis with ALS at the uh -huh. very end. Right, right. I got to ask some questions that I I should have asked sooner. I didn't know who to ask or how to ask, but I'm excited about the answers I got there. Yeah, I uh, for to do this recording uh, was nice because I kind of approached him about it, and I said, it, you know, he had talked about his diagnosis and saying, and you know, talking about it, it makes him feel more positive, and he gets kind of yeah, like it's yeah. it kind of drops that stigma, which I believe is important, and um, yeah. Where people pretend it's just not happening because they don't want to talk about it or make anything uncomfortable. Right. Yeah. So then nobody says anything. Right. It must be kind of nice to actually get to address some questions. Yes. So. Yeah. Um, I appreciated it. Yes. So that was good. And I'd be interested to know, we actually did that recording. It's a little bit longer than we have done in the past and we split it up. So since Allie's so talented, you shouldn't be able to know where we split it stopped and started it so okay that's, <laughs> that's a lot of pressure no pressure um and without further ado i give you will stuber hi will it's good to see you again how are you sir <laughs> hi anthony i am doing well thanks uh how are you today good i uh i uh was rushing around a little bit but now i feel a little bit i'm calm i'm settled down my days settle in all right um, well, today, everybody, we have my great uncle, Will. Uh, he has such an interesting story, and we're so glad to have him with us today. He is, as you'll learn through our conversation, what I would call, uh, and others I'm sure would remark, is a renaissance man. Uh, he's been a dancer, an actor, a designer. He's an outdoorsman, a craftsman, and he's also been involved in the hospitality industry. Did I miss anything, Ooh. Will? Any? A few others, but I don't know if we're allowed to talk about those. <laughs> oh. Yeah, we are. Yeah, we are. <laughs> um, but you've had such an uh, interesting story in life, and so I just want to start kind of at the beginning. You know, you're the youngest of nine children, and, you know, you don't see that anymore, big um, families like that. So what was it like growing up, you know, being one of nine, not only one of nine, but the baby of nine? Yeah. So, oh, yeah, they, I hate, I used to hate being called the baby. I always wanted to be the youngest. Right. But, uh, so it's interesting because a lot of people talk about the, cause I came from a big family of nine, but the way when my mom had kids, she had, uh, seven kids, the first six years of her marriage, 
So first of all, imagine being pregnant for seven years, right? <laughs> then she skipped a year, had my sister Colleen, and then skipped five years and had me. So, you know, although I'm one of nine, by the time I was, you know, four, my older brother was 18 and on his way out of the house. So, so it was, yeah, it's a big family house was a three bedroom, one bath house. A lot of this, I just know from stories from my brothers and sisters. So when we first moved in there, it was only one bathroom, one bathtub. And at night when it was time to bathe the children, Mm-hmm. You know, you're lucky if you got in there first or second because you got You just use the same water. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so, uh, you know, and over the years, dad improved the house and got another bathroom and all that kind of stuff. So it wasn't like, uh, you know, we were growing up in squalor or anything. It was just, uh, you know, a lot of people in a normal sized house. Have you seen Cheaper by the Dozen? Yes. That's what I'm picturing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, except and, except except your dad is not as uh, animated, or my grandpa's not as animated as Steve Martin. He's not Steve Martin? No, no, <laughs> no, not quite. Anthony, is this super foreign to you as it is to me? What, these as stories? On, only only children over oh, here. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I forgot about that. Yeah, I can't imagine... Uh, yeah, I don't think we're. I don't think we're. Only, we have those traits as only children. Possibly, we do a little bit. You, you know what? One of the traits of an only child is. Yeah. Oh, what is it? They don't recognize the only <laughs> child traits that they have. <laughs> um, so, well, do you have any of your earliest memories as a child? Anything that kind of sticks out to you when you were a kid? My dad raised rabbits under our back, so we had the house off the back. The kitchen was in the back, and then he built a deck off the back of that. And then after a certain amount of time, he turned that deck into like a room because we needed more mm-hmm. space because we had so many people there. So had a room. And then under that, it was like, <clears throat> was uh, rabbit pens. And so dad would raise rabbits. And what is the benefit of raising well, rabbits? Food. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was my face. Allie right is now. shocked by that comment. Yes, I know. Sometimes when what? I tell a story, you'd think I grew up in like 1878 or something. But that's uh, yeah, yeah. What? It was. I mean, when we we're kids. I guess when you grow up with it, you don't really think of anything of it. I mean, that's just sort of the way it is. When there was little baby bunnies, and we would go play with the bunnies out in the yard, and then they would kind of go into a pen, and then they would grow up. I'm not even sure how long it took. Then grow up, and then they got to certain certain age. Dad would go, you know, would club them and clean them, and we would eat them. Um, the but circle I, I of life. Huh? <laughs> Did he ever give the clubbing duties to his kids? Not that I know, but I'll bet I'll bet my brother Tim and and Pat probably clubbed some. Of that them. is traumatizing. <laughs> But if you were like already born into that, you're like, oh, okay, this is normal. Yeah, but was I the guess first so. time like you, that happened, like, you were kinda, you traumatized? I, I don't remember being traumatized. I mean, it's, um, okay. you know, I guess I witnessed it, you know, um, but it was, and it was a little bit like, ooh, 
but I guess we weren't traumatized by it. Like you get all close to these little bunnies and then, oh, it's dinner time. I didn't know if like the first one was like. I think part of that is because there was always new bunnies, right? You're, you know, you play with the little baby bunnies when they get a little older, you know, and you're not as interested because now you want to go play with the little babies. There's always new babies coming. So you're just kind of into the little, little babies. I don't know. Allie, you act like it's like hunting. It's just different because it's a bunny, I guess. You, you create a bond with the animals and then you consume them. That's the you don't yeah. But I guess with, yeah. I don't know how much time passed since you play with a bunny and then they grow up. So you have always been very talented, whether it be um, in athletics or in theater or arts. What do you think was the first talent that you like saw, or like what was the first thing that you involved yourself in as an activity? Yeah, I don't know if it's. I don't know if it's talent, but it was, um, I mean, I, th- I think that I was, I, I just enjoyed a lot of different things, you know, and, you know, so it was hard for me to, to get a focus. But when I was young, I remember, um, I remember getting into basketball when I was like third or fourth grade, I enjoyed basketball. And then by the time I was in seventh grade, I was playing on the eighth grade team, you know, so I was. I was into basketball and then I started theater. So I got into a play, I think around when I was in seventh grade. Was that uh, something that was accepted by everybody you were close to? Yeah, I mean, um, I I had a good circle of friends, I guess, that was. um, And also my older brother, Michael, was was a successful actor in New York. So. Ooh, nice. So when I could say like, oh, I'm in the theater and, you know, I'm going to go spend the summer with my brother in New York and learn ballet. Um, I guess when you could say you're going to New York, especially in the middle of the Midwest, it was like a cool thing. Yeah. Um, at least. And he kind of paved the way for you a little bit, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, think, I think one time I, I wrote him a letter. You know, because this is back before internet or all that stuff. So I wrote him a letter and said, like, <laughs> yeah, I think I, I like this theater thing because I like making people laugh. And, you know, I think I'd like to, you know, maybe do musical theater. And so he said, well, if you want to do that, you should learn ballet because then you kind of have a solid foundation to do a lot of different things. So I was like, okay, yeah, that sounds good. And he said, why don't you come out for the summer and, take ballet so i'm like how old were you at this point i think i was i was 16 then oh, okay that's still so, young still young but but you know where you're going to new york where you're a ballet studio where these they're like professional dancers that have been doing it since they're 10 you know yeah but to have that opportunity is incredible yeah it was that's what it was yeah because i would have no idea you know we i show up there and we're like okay you got to get ballet slippers and this is what the tights are and this is what you got to wear and you know and it's for him to kind of take me in and then everyone in the class was really nice so they were kind of old i mean they were older i'm sure they were probably only in their mid 20s or something but i thought of those older like oh broadway stores right stores. But, yeah but wow. so that made a big impression on me uh, you know new york city back then which was probably 1985 1986 something like that and then my first job was 
I was uh, a stock boy at the grocery store. And, did you uh, like that job? Yeah, I did. You know, it was I'd drive my dasher to the store and I would, you know, get a little paycheck. I want to say, if I remember this right, I feel like it paid like three fifty an hour, okay. or three dollars and fifty cents an hour, something like that. That is mind blowing. It was something like that. Then you went off to college. And what was that transition like for you? You were only two of your nine siblings, two of the nine who went to college. And so yeah, where did you go? Yeah, I'm surprised. And what was that like to, to play in a to yeah? Southwest Missouri State University, as it was called at the time. That's Missouri State. Um, yeah, I went there. Um, I remember look, kind of looking around at other colleges. I didn't really, you know. I don't, I think we had a guidance counselor. I don't know. I don't really remember ever talking to anybody. Or, um, <clears throat> but you know, I looked around at different colleges and. What did you want to do? I think I didn't know. You know, okay. I had that problem with like, oh, I like this thing or that thing over there. I remember early on on campus when I went to Missouri State, and you know, you at the beginning you can just take the general courses, right? Like, I know we have to take the general ed, so I'm going to yeah. do that the first semester. And I remember standing on campus first semester, and I'm like, what are you going to do? You know, Billy, that's what they called me at the time. And I was like, I don't that's know. That's not what they call you now? No. That's another story. But the, All right. The, um, we'll get there. Uh, what are you going to do? And I was like, you know, I like, like a marine biology. I think it would be really cool to be a marine biologist. I like to go out, you know, maybe maybe I could get a job doing research in California or like somewhere at the ocean and like study the wildlife and everything. And and someone said, uh, oh yeah, you know, you gotta take a lot of really hard like biology classes for that. And I was like the same thing happened to me. I was like, Really? I wonder what the theater department's like. Like 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 <laughs> just like shit. that. Like I'm like, oh, I you feel like go. that happened. That happened to a lot of people, I feel like. I don't know what it is about marine biology, but it was, for me, it was dolphins. I wanted to work with Wait, dolphins. Oh, yeah. wanted to be a, you wanted to be a marine biologist, too? In middle school, yeah. But then oh. I oh. found out, oh, wait, you have to be really smart and work really hard. And I was like, yeah. Oh. Yeah, you know. I, I, you could have done it. You both could have done it. But then. That's the thing. I mean, yeah. anyone can do it. Um, you know, if you have good people around there that can help guide you. I'm, I'm not taking anything away from my parents, but like you don't have the guidance or whatever um, or the inspiration of the drive. You got to find it within yourself. And I, and I didn't have it. So I was just like, oh, well, if it's going to be hard, I don't think I'm going to try, mm-hmm. you know, but I think anyone. I, so now I'm telling my kids. Right. So Tylee's a sophomore in high school and. You know, like, you know, what do you think you'd like to do, sort of thing. One time she talked about dentist or whatever. And so I say, Yeah, you can do that. You know, you can, you can do whatever you want. She's like, Yeah, but you know, I heard it's really hard or it, it's X amount of eight years after school or whatever. And I said, Ty, hard doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. It's about persistence. And I've learned this from my actor friends, right? It's, it's only persistence. That's the only thing that can hold you back. Because if you you go, if you really want to do something, 
and you go, you're like, oh crap, this is too hard for me. I failed. Guess what? You can take the class again. You can take That's it again true. and you can take it again. Yeah, but it's money. It is money. <laughs> it is money. But it, I, I, I just also think that too many people get discouraged before they even try at least that's what happened with me you know and you kind of think back like hmm i wonder if, if I yeah tried. it's intimidating yeah i have i can say i have learned from failure in the past yeah classes and such and so you know you kind of yeah. know next time you need to be more disciplined you know and that's a lesson that a lot of people don't allow themselves to even be a part of uh, yeah is to be is to like go through some struggle yeah so I, I appreciate what you're saying about you have to try, and you can always take it again. It's not the end of the world. And maybe that's it, Anthony. Maybe it's it's the try part, right? Because when you look back on your life, you don't want to have any regrets. But it's like you kind of think back, like, shit, I didn't even try. Like someone said, it's going to be hard, so I said, oh well, go the other way. You know, uh, that's that's the thing. I don't want to. I don't want to. I'm. Sc- I feel like people are scared scared of failure. I'm scared of failure. Sure. Yeah. I don't. I don't want to acknowledge oh i messed up i need to redo it like if i just assume that i'll fail and not even try then i don't have to deal with that situation which is a terrible approach well but I, I think, think a lot of people are guilty of that mindset people. and i think that's what uh even when you don't realize that's what how you're making decisions many times it's the fear but i think that what i try to do now is with my friends or my kids, you know, you want, that's where you just want to be that positive force in other people's lives, you know? They say, oh, maybe I'll be a marine biologist. Hell yeah, go do that, you know? And I need more people. Anthony's that for me. Yeah. I need to surround myself with more yes men, right? Like I'm not a yes man. I'll, well, it's yes. Well, I, I, if you need okay. to be told no, I will tell you no. But Positive influences, let's say that. Encouragement. Yeah, yes man was the wrong word. You're a Things realist, kind of out. but hold on, you're breaking up. Oh, there you are. You're back now. You're back, back now. Oh, yeah. gosh. Uh, uh, wait. <laughs> I guess the, wait, well, I guess hold the on, definition hold on. of yes man is w- different. but Yeah. So what did you end up gra- – so you did theater – what did you end up graduating with? Because I didn't think that you did. Or you did graduate with theater. Yeah, I'm I got a BFA. About, okay, because I'm thinking about what your job is, you know, was recently. Um, but Damn it, what Anthony. you've done is cutting out again. Unstable. It, uh, 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 hold on. Uh, boo. <laughs> Start uh, over with your, uh, I, the line. you graduate with. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so I got the degree in theater and a minor in dance. Wow. And at that time, did you have an idea of what you wanted to do when you graduated? Or was it kind of like, this is what I want to do for now? I was kind of like, figure oh, I want to go to Seattle. <laughs> Ooh, what was in Seattle? Well, uh, so Seattle intrigued me because it had mountains and ocean and um this is what i climate. said to you the other day ally what what'd you say in the intro i said when i was talking about seattle oh really seattle yeah it is seattle's in said it has a little bit of everything yeah and the and the thing so so i was in college and it doesn't seem like that long ago for me but to put it in perspective 
Um, if I there was no internet really. I mean, you you go to the I could go to the university library, mm-hmm. but there was no. I mean, you could get on an internet, but there was nothing in the internet. You know, there's nothing to go see. There's nothing to yeah. do. So I subscribed to the Sunday Seattle Times so I could kind of learn about Seattle because, you know, it's weird. It's so weird when you think about the world without the internet because. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because how did you find that or even think about it to begin with if you didn't have <laughs> I have internet. no idea. I have no idea. <laughs> I look you at a map and you're like, get out the phone book. <laughs> yeah, and maybe I learned somebody. in class the Pacific Northwest and <laughs> the, yeah. atlas. the atlas. The atlas, yeah. yes. I like maps, and I was oh like, I wonder what it's gosh. like there. And I heard the climate was mild, and and then I packed my. And then I had a Nissan Stanza, also a Nerdmobile, but we called it the tour bus. <laughs> Nissan Stanza wagon. It was kind of like a. It was sort of like a cross between like a minivan and a, and a sedan. The back door slid like a van. Mm-hmm. Um, tan, very nerdy. Um, and I catched a U-Haul trailer and drove out there to Seattle. Wow. Um, you did it. That's, that was your vision. Yeah, you did I did it. it. I did it. I went with, with a girlfriend at the time. Um, and I was, uh-huh. I decided Seattle because I was like, oh, they have like an art scene. They had, you know, they have theater there, a pretty good art scene. And a lot of my friends were going to New York and I, I just, you know, New York didn't appeal to me that much. I want, you know, I like outdoorsy stuff, wildlife, nature. So I was like, oh, I want to go out there. So we went out there. And How long were you in Seattle? It's like a three-year kind of deal, I think. Oh, that's what happened. So in Seattle... I was in all. I was auditioning for shows. I was working in a restaurant. Um, I started bartending and ma- and started making good money. So then I was working four days a week, and then I would take my three day weekends and go hiking in the mountains. So I was getting into backpacking and, uh, and auditioning now and then. And then it sounds wonderful. It was. It was. It was a good time. I remember, <laughs> like. Uh, I was a bartender, but it was in a nice Italian restaurant. Still there, Tulio. And the chef is still there, Walter Paisan. Really? Yeah, he's still there. Because I looked it up when I went out there. But unfortunately, with COVID, they're closed. But he's still Mm. the chef at that restaurant. But So I was auditioning at some theaters. And then um, there was a show on at the time called Northern Exposure. Did you ever hear that show? Um, It's called Northern Exposure. it took place in Alaska, but they filmed it just outside of Seattle. And someone from that studio was there at one of my auditions. They called me in to audition for the show. And at the time, I had the long grunge hair look, right? The grunge was in with the plaid and everything. That's awesome. I did not. I never knew you had the yeah, long so hair I, like that. I need a picture <laughs> of that. I did. It's like, it was like Doris Day. It was like... <laughs> Anthony's gonna get his hair permanently straightened. No, like a perm. <laughs> I like my little fro I got going. I like it too. Yeah, it's like good. It Looks good. Oh, so I auditioned for them, didn't make it. Mm-hmm. Then, like months later, she called me up again. The same casting agent and said, "Hey, 
I think we have this really good role. I think you could fit really well. Can you come mm -hmm. back out? So I go back out. Meanwhile, I had cut my hair. I walk in the audition. You know, I kind of had short hair. And she's like, oh, Will. They what, want the long you hair. You cut your hair. And I'm like, <laughs> well, yeah, well, what's the problem? She's like, well, you're welcome to still read if you want, but there's a certain type of looking for. At that point, I was kind of, it made me sour to the whole thing, you know, because I'm like, there's so many good actors, so many good actors, and, you know, it's to the point where they could just pick based on how tall you are. You know, we wanted someone 5'11", mm -hmm. not 5'10". You can easily put a wig put on. Put a wig on, I know, and that kind of thing. Um, and so at that point, I was like, ah, I don't know. I don't know if I'm screw this. Like my friends. Like, yeah, <laughs> screw this. I'm out of here. I'm just going to bartend and make a bunch of money. So that's, that's what kind of got me after then. I, that's I left terrible. And, I feel like that's not, do you think that's representative of the whole industry? Well, I had no idea that was kind of, you know, sometimes it happens. I mean, you, you can look for a certain type and I get it. Like if I'm auditioning, I want sort of a certain type look and feel. I mean, if she would really love like some acting thing I did, maybe, you know, but you know, I also wasn't that persistent. I was, you know, I was kind of like, Oh, well this didn't work. Yeah, but out. she set you up like the mindset that you would have to be in after that to read. I can't imagine. Cause she was like, well, you can still read if you want, but it's not going to happen. So the whole time you're like, this isn't going to happen. Yeah. That's terrible. Yeah. So then mm -hmm. after Seattle, you moved to Baltimore. Well, right? how long were you in Seattle? Yeah, so I was in Seattle for um, a couple years, and I uh, auditioned, and I auditioned for uh, Northern Exposure. I love that show, and uh, didn't get it. And then, uh, you know, I was doing a little bit of theater there, mostly just kind of bartending and backpacking a lot, you know. Yeah, and then later, I guess I was in Seattle for a couple of years, and then my old my college dance professor, I I kept in touch with him, Ken, and uh, I don't really remember how it all worked out, but he said, uh, you know, hey, you want to come dance in my dance company? I'm starting a dance company. Um, so I was like, yeah, sure. So. So yeah, then I moved to Baltimore and joined a dance company. Um, <clears throat> yeah, sure, I'll move. <laughs> well, all the way, yeah, to yeah, all the way to the other side not? of the, all the way to the other side of the country. I mean, that is an amazing opportunity. I'm not making light of it, but I, for me, that would be earth shattering. Um, yeah, that would that would take me a lot to agree to something like that. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah, I think I was. I don't know. I just kind of drifted around with it. So I just, uh, you know, and I liked Ken and I, he, I knew he did cool stuff. And, and also at the time, you know, I had been bartending and backpacking and sort of auditioning for theater, but not really, things weren't really clicking. So that was another part of like, Hey, I could get, I could be hired in this dance company. You know, it could be like a, like a, almost like a real job. What kind of uh, dancing did you do in Baltimore? Uh, it was mostly modern dance. Okay. Mostly modern choreography, but there was um, a 
lot of his stuff had a lot of ballet foundation. But I, it was that, and I was also teaching there. So we we had during the day we had classes at the at the studio, and we taught little kids. So you were in Baltimore and did um, the dancing, and then what kind of transition did you have after that? And how long how long were you in Baltimore? I don't know. I think it was maybe two or three years. Did you like it there? Yeah, I like Baltimore. It was, you know, nice. We, we I kind of lived near the, the Inner Harbor, I remember. And that was right after sort of it had, had a little revival. I liked it, but I also, you know, I'm an outdoorsy guy, so I sort of was missing that. I wasn't getting out and doing that as much or as easily as I could out west. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I started uh, thinking I was going to go back to grad school. So I, because I like the West, I miss the West. I was like, I wonder what University of Montana is like. <laughs> so I applied and got accepted to grad school there. Why, why Montana specifically? Because they have mountains. That's what I figured. <laughs> Just checking. Well, I, I mean, nothing to do with theater, right? But yeah, that's that's cool though because you were missing it. So you 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 applied for grad school to be an engineer, is that right? <laughs> <laughs> With no background. <laughs> yeah, for some reason they accepted me to go into the theater program. I was going to get a master's in theater, and uh, and I thought maybe I'd be a teacher. And I moved there. Uh, but again, I started notice, noticing this pattern in my life that I was going to the place for mountains and outdoor stuff and then trying to do theater didn't really mix. But uh, I went to Missoula. I love Missoula. Oh, and then I, um, I auditioned for the Missoula Children's Theater, which is awesome. I don't know if it's still around. I hope it is. Missoula Children's Theater, have you heard of it? I have so not. it's, um, <clears throat> at the time, they had a little fleet of little red Toyota pickup trucks that, with camper shells. Mm-hmm. And they had like, I don't know, 26 trucks. And they were to hire two, they called them actor directors. Okay. And you would, uh, and they had all these little um, uh, fairy tales that they converted into little mini musicals. So they were like an hour long of like Sleeping Beauty, Jack and the Beanstalk, all those. They hook up two two directors, and you learn the show, mm-hmm. um, and you get in the truck with your all your costumes, all your lighting, your sound equipment. And costumes for a cast of up to like 60 kids. And you had, during the whole nine months of the school year, they had mapped out a route for you. Mm-hmm. And you drive on Sunday and you go to a town, a school, and uh, you audition kids on Monday after school. So you have two hours to audition the kids. Cast the show, you immediately start rehearsal on Monday. For two hours. Then you rehearsed Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And then you would do a show Friday night. And then usually two on Saturday. And then on Sunday you drive to the next town. And you and you so when you left with your partner, 
-hmm. you had a route planned out for nine months and you come back at the end and you know return so we went all over the place you know one week i'd be in lake like lake tahoe where all the little actors would come with their little headshots and they were all professionally trained little kids and then the next week i'd be uh, like on an indian reservation you know where the kids just come in shy and quiet and it was amazing it was so amazing to see what kids can do in such a short amount of time but you were also there you worked in parks is that right i went to at that point i went to colorado where my sister lived in boulder Stayed with her, and and then that's when I got the job as a park ranger. So after um, your time as a park ranger, is that when you met Daja, your wife? Yeah, I actually met her before the gig started. So when I was in Boulder, Mm -hmm. I was working in a restaurant. We would meet on our days off. We would drive halfway and, uh, you know, camp out. Um, so yeah, I met her at, at a restaurant. She was the pastry chef. I remember there was a guy, a waiter, and I don't know, we're talking about girls one day or something. And he says, yeah, he said, you know, we're like, oh, you know, you want a wife that's funny? Or he says, well, I want someone beautiful, you know, like a, like, like the pastry chef. And I was like, oh, Dodge. Yeah, that's a good idea. So... <laughs> <laughs> So I asked Dodge out, and um, after work, we went and had a beer. I remember it was like it was the first snowfall of the year. And so then you guys kind of hit it off from there, and where did you guys move from that point on, and what happened? Yeah, so we, um, she was missing her family back east. We moved out east, and um, just before we moved, I proposed to her. She said yes, yeah. so we moved back east. Then we ended up getting married and bought a house in Elkins Park, PA. And yeah, so that's how that's how I got back here. And we've been living in bliss ever since. Oh, yes. Um, so the last thing I wanted to talk about was uh, something that, you know, has been kind of a, a challenge and a struggle for you within the past year, an adjustment of a diagnosis you received um, with ALS. And I'm just curious on... Wh- you know, I asked you prior if you'd want to talk about this and what that meant to you, and you'd said you, you know, it kind of is can be therapeutic. So, what is that? And I know nothing to- about any of this, so I'm very intrigued. Yeah, so I don't know where to begin. No, I mean it is it is a lot, and I guess the question would be: so, if, for people who aren't aware of what this disease is, um, could can you give a little background? Um, you know, it's also known as Lou Gehrig's disease, amyotrophic lateral sclerosis is, is what the abbreviation is. And it's basically your, um, your, your nerve cells are having a hard time connecting from your brain to your muscle. So your muscles start to um, just fade away. So, uh, so for instance, when I the first symptoms I got, I was in the garage and it was a cold day and I was having a hard time. I work with wood a lot and do like projects and I was having a hard time holding a screw in place. Like it was, my hand was sort of like, uh, 
just felt sort of clumsy or I couldn't hold it right. And I thought, weird, it's like cold. And you kind of think like, ah, oh, is this what it means to get old? You know, it's like mm -hmm. you're, you're affected by the cold. And um, so I went to the doctor and, uh, and he said, uh, you know, he checked me out and said, you know, we should go get, um, I want you to go to a neurologist and get, um, get an MRI. So they get, check an MRI to kind of rule. So I went to a neurologist and he says, okay, we want to do an MRI to, to rule out MS, multiple sclerosis. And so I was sure that's what I had. So you were sure at that point? I, once he said it and the, and the feelings I had and everything, and I felt like I knew this is, I know this is a thing, but I don't, and when the neurologist suspected it, then I thought, oh, that's, that's what it is. Really? Because in my head, I was thinking you would have thought, oh, it's probably just an isolated incident that I could or or at this point, were you experiencing like ongoing patterns of things aren't right? I didn't immediately think that, but it was over. So this was over a period of time. Right. And And I could just feel like something's not right. You know, I can't lift what I used to lift. And, you know, I'm I'm noticing a lot of things tired in the afternoon and so I thought it was a something, a thing, a real thing. And so I went and got the MRI and it showed up like clean. They said, okay, it looks really good. They so said, what were your thoughts at that point? Were you like... Maybe it's something else. Maybe it's something I can deal with, you know? Then he says, well, um, I want to do an EMG, which is like they, uh, they put these little electrodes on your leg and then they send like a little... I want to say shock, but it doesn't hurt, right? They just send a little uh, a signal, electric signal, and it's hooked up to the computer so they can test how fast it takes for, to go to your brain and back to the muscle. So it goes through this whole, it's kind of this weird, awkward thing, and then they put a needle, then they do it with sounds, so they put a needle in and they wiggle the needle around. It's very, it's a weird test, but... Anyway, he did all the tests and it came up just fine. And he didn't see any problems. So he said, uh, you know, I can refer you to another neurologist downtown, down in Philly. So when I finally got there, so this time had passed. It was from March all the way. It wasn't until the following September. And then that whole time, are you just... What, what, what's your mindset like in between those months between tests? Well, you kind of, um, you know, at that point, the, um, the symptoms were real minor. So it wasn't, I, I wasn't like sort of panicking at that point, you know, because you just don't really know. So, and it's kind of like, okay, when it's schedule, okay, well, when's the next opening? Oh, it's in a month and a half. You know, because if you don't know what it is, you don't know how urgent you have to be about it. So. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it was September, and they there was a young doctor that she gave the EMG. wasn't the main neurologist, but she gave it to me. And Daja was with me. And, you know, she said, I'm going to tell you because... Sometimes the neurologist isn't direct enough, but this is what... By then I had suspected it was ALS. Um, 
And yeah, so she gave the diagnosis and, uh, you know, it's a big blow. You just, I remember the, the worst part about going through that whole early, early part, honestly, was, was insurance, was health insurance. Because what goes through your head as a dad and a husband is not like, oh my God, what's going to happen to me? You think, what's going to happen to my family? You know, what's, you know, are they going to be okay financially? You know, is this going to wipe out the family? And so the part of the story I didn't tell you was I had been just laid off work a uh, year, year before. That was New Year's Eve 2018. I think I told you the wrong year, but New Year's Eve before 2019, I got laid off and the company dissolved and therefore we couldn't go, we couldn't stay on our health insurance plan because the company was a dissolved. So there's COBRA and that kind of thing happens because you have insurance through your company, but if the company dissolves, you can't. So Are you kidding? I had, I had lost my health insurance. We... Uh, we scrambled and got on to something else, but, um, you know, then you get this diagnosis and you think, what's going to happen? And I remember just, you know, that was the hardest part, honestly. That's that's the biggest mm. stress of all was, you know, you think, geez, I've been, I've had a job since I was 14 years old. Like, I've always been employed and I've paid for my health insurance the whole time. Yeah. And now when I need it, it's gone, you know? Right. <laughs> Since then, uh, you know, we've got things ironed out and, and we're all straightened up now and, and we're all right. So so now I'm um <clears throat> I'm just on this quest to uh to get better. Um I'm on a I'm doing a clinical trial, found this great Group of neurologists at Temple, awesome, he, uh, a great team, from the neurologists to the nurse to the you know physical therapist to the occupational therapist to the psychologist. Like they have a whole team that helps you deal. And so I'm on a clinical trial with this new drug um, that's been going really well. Um, the, the tricky part with ALS is there's basically two drugs they can offer you. And it's all about just trying to slow the progress. So it's hard to tell because everybody progresses at a different speed. So yeah. part of the trick with it is, is this really helping or not? Now, the drugs claim that, you know, they can get you, a, you know, extra three months um, it's, you know, the diagnosis is you got two to five years. Um, really? Yeah. Yeah. Two to five years is what the diagnosis is. So my first neurologist that I left after his diagnosis, you know, he basically said, oh, you know, you can take uh, CoQ10. That's a good supplement. And, you know, just enjoy your life. Enjoy what you've got. Enjoy your kids. You know, that was sort of his advice. Um, but since then I've, um, um, <clears throat> I've joined up with the, 
the ALS chapter in Philadelphia, and I'm also with this group called Healing ALS, and it's this awesome group of people and pals, so they call them pals, people with ALS, P-A-L-S, so these pals, and uh, you know, there's people on there that have gone 20 years or more. And everybody is on there sharing what they do to get better. So a lot of it's supplements, and my diet is crazy now. It's not that crazy, but it's strict. You know, um, I haven't had sugar, white sugar, in a year. You know, there's uh, don't do grains. I don't do pastas. You know, carbohydrates. It's all. lots and lots of vegetables and I eat meats and and that kind of stuff. But yeah, diet and and supplements that I'm taking every day. Um, uh, You know, and a lot of it, uh, they say a lot of it is um, your mental attitude, your attitude as well. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to uh, meditate every day and, um, you know, there's sort of two ways you know, when you're faced with something like that and you kind of look into the abyss, right? You're right there. There's just two different ways. You can, you can either, uh, you know, wallow in the problem that you have in front of you or you can choose to focus on all the awesome things you have in your life, you know, and all the positive things. It's always been that way, but it's, it's just magnet. You know, until... You know, people always say, look on the bright side, all that stuff, count your blessings, which is true, true, you know, everybody knows it, but, but when it's, when it's real, you know, it's, it's different. And, and that's what I was talking to you about, Anthony, with, I can understand now when you hear people that say they got cancer and they, and they look at it as a blessing or because they, because they see you know, something changes and they, they're able to see all the things they're thankful for. Mm-hmm. And, you know, honestly, I'm not that way every day all the time. There's no way. I definitely go into my deep, dark place uh, occasionally. But, you know, it really is a good lesson on life is, you know, you, you got to focus on all those gifts that you have that you've been given. I just found out a friend of mine I used to work with, he was 41 years old. He, um, I, I talked to an old friend that I knew he played tennis with him. I worked with this guy. Um, and I found out he, uh, he, he died in his apartment. He had blood clot. He played tennis, whatever, his regular guy, lived by himself. Didn't show up for work. He, you know, it just happened. Um, and so, you know, you think, I think, Hey, I'm 50, you know, I've had 50 years. That's a lot more than a lot of people. So, um, for me, that's the trick is that's the challenge is keeping that focus positive. I mean, I have so many questions or like, I just want to say how important it is that we are talking about this. And I'm thankful that you are talking about it 
because everybody needs those check-ins, I think, especially myself lately, whenever I get really stressed out at work or really upset about something, I'm like, does this matter? (laughs) In the grand scheme of things, I have my health, I have my family, like that's priority. And it kind of puts things in perspective when you hear like your story and your mindset when you found out like what you're telling us right now is focus on how to get better, how to improve, how to look towards the future that I need more check-ins like that. So I, I really appreciate you talking about it. Yeah. It's, it, so, you know, you just made me think about, you know, I get annoyed at these, you know, self-help people and you just got to be positive all the time and blah, blah, blah. Cause you know, then you stop and you think like, well, yeah, that's easier for you to say, but I, you know, I'm behind on my that's rent. That's not realistic. I, I can't play yeah. for my food. So, so in my mind, it's like, it's okay to go there to be, to go to the neck. It's okay. That's normal. That's yeah. human to, to, to recognize that and, and, be negative. You can be negative, but just don't stay there, you know? Just yeah, don't... K- kind of like allowing yourself to have those feelings and recognizing it and checking in and then moving on at that point. I think that's a good yeah, thing I mean, to you have to too. as a human, otherwise you don't change, right? You got to uh-huh. recognize, well, this sucks for me. I got to do something different, yeah. you know? Uh, I'm curious if you're open to talking about it, how you've noticed the things changing with your body since then. So it started with the little screw, right? Has has it been kind of that level or has it changed a lot more since then? Yeah, I'm glad you're asking because, because this is another learning thing for me is I like when people ask me about it because I don't okay. want it to be taboo. So if you know anybody that's going through something serious like that, if they're anything like me, they want to be asked because it shows you care. And it's not, it, it, you know, like Daj said, like, it's just part of who we are now. You know, it's just part of the deal. So let's not try to hide it or make it. Yeah. Well, I think it. people get nervous that they don't want to be disrespectful because it's your experience. But I think... I'm more comfortable asking probably because you're in a podcast with us and Anthony <laughs> asked you beforehand, are you comfortable talking about this? Yeah. But yeah. to your point, I, 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 I'm glad you enjoy it that we're asking because now I'll know for the future. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point is, you know, obviously <laughs> you got to know a little bit about the person if they're open for it. Um, yeah. Yeah. But uh, so you asked about, you know, I, uh, my, my hands are uh, my hands are are like losing muscle, so you can kind of see physically. You know, when I drive, I can see like I don't have a grip. I can't open a bag of chips. Um, that I, is bizarre. Yeah, my it's yeah, it's thinning out there. It's atrophying. You know, um, and it's weird. You can't talk to a physical therapist you can't you can't it's not like you can build the muscle back because the 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 message isn't getting through so it doesn't build but anyway so um so it's that and um you know tired in the afternoon you kind of you kind of wear out you um i know especially in the cold my legs will kind of stiffen up and i have 
or they call it a drop foot. So my left foot, I notice sort of just, um, just kind of flops on the ground a little bit. Like it's not hardly noticeable. Um, but especially when it's cold, uh, you know, I guess the muscle, the neurologist says that's like spasm, like the muscles are sort of spasming. So it's hard to, um, hard to control. I mean, you know, most people, if they see me walking down the street right now, they wouldn't really know. But you know, but you can tell the difference. Oh, absolutely. And if it's cold, I definitely have a limp that's recognizable. Um, so I can't lift stuff that I used to. And, but I still keep trying to do projects around the house. I did the doors, you know, and I, I get my kids to help me with, uh, with that um, or some of the fine motor skills stuff. Um, and I just try to not, you know, I just try to work smarter instead of, um, instead of harder with, with the projects that I do. Uh, that was my other question. If you're open to it, of course, is how you, cause how old are your kids now? So 15 and 13. Okay. So they're definitely old enough to understand. Um, I'm interested how that news was delivered or like, and what their thoughts are. Cause your first thought was them. Right. And I'm guessing their first thought was my dad. Right. So um, if you're open to it, I'd love to hear how that went. Yeah, it was, um, that's a good question. The, so talking with Daja, you know, it took a while. Of course, we didn't tell anyone at first, and we knew that if we told anyone, we'd have to tell our kids first. I told my brothers and sisters, you know, but um, I know someone else who who has a, a similar problem, um, and and. Uh, she chose to not, she's not telling her kids. Her kids are a little younger though too, but she doesn't want to want the kids to worry, you know? Yeah. And, um, and I totally get that too. Um, but we decide, I decided, you know, I, I just want to tell people cause I don't want to be trying to hide something or if my friends ask me out for a beer or whatever, you know? So I said, you know, Dodge and I decided like, well, you know, I said, I want to tell my friends and stuff. So we have to tell the kids first. So, um, that was hard. That was hard. You know, I a, can't imagine. Yeah. As a dad, um, you know, you want to be there and everything that's running through your head is, even though I just said you stay positive. <laughs> What's going through your head is like, what am I going to see graduation? Am I going to see them get married? Am I going to see all those things that you want to see as a parent? So, but, you know, I just sat him down and I was very um, matter of fact about it. Here's what's going on. Describe what it is, the name of it, what it's called. Um, don't be afraid to ask me questions, you know, and they, um, you know, they took her really well. Of course, then I had very little symptoms too. So you couldn't, you definitely couldn't tell at that time. So I think that was another, that sort of a distance thing is like, I'm telling them this, but it's not really, 
it's not really right there in front of them yet, you know? Mm-hmm. So. Well, like your friend who went the route of not telling her kids, don't you think as things evolved that they would be able to be like, why can't you do that anymore or pick up on things? Yeah, I think so. And I'm not sure how that's happening in her family. I think uh, she's just passing it off as something else, you know. Oh, okay. Um, and when I think when her time is right, she will. But, um, you, you know, I think she also, you don't want the pity, which is uh, something, too. You don't want people to. Yeah. You know, I, that's what I told when I told my friends, I was like, please just continue to treat me like shit like you always do. Because <laughs> yeah, yeah. If it's anything less, uh, you know, or anything different, that's, the, you know, that's not what I want, want it to be. Yeah. So, so yeah, they, they can still bust my chops pretty well. So thinking about that and kind of being in the middle of the pandemic, I think this got a lot of people for themselves thinking about how they approach life and everything is sort of slowed down. And so sort of with that thought process and what you've just um, uh, went over, what would be your advice to people that are my age? Or you could even open it up to your kids to our age on how to, I would say, be present or live in the moment. Uh, even when, you know, it, it seems that you should be following a certain path. Yeah, that's, uh, I think in the moment is it. I think, you know, my dad once said, you know, you know, I'm not sure what you're looking for, but this is it. Like, you you got to find the joy and the, and the peace and the happiness right here and right now what's what you have, this is, this is it that, you know, if you're living, if your head is always in, well, someday I'm going to have whatever the fancy house and the fancy car and whatever you're, you're not, you're missing it. You've missed that day because you're, you're trying to live somewhere else where you, where you aren't. Um, and we all know that doesn't really pan out to, you know, then you just kind of want it more and more. Um, so, uh, you know, it's hard for me to give advice cause you know, I don't know what I'm doing, but, <laughs> uh, you know, I would say there is a lot, there is a lot to those little phrases of be in the moment, um, um, you know, count your blessings, count them. Before you go to bed, count every stupid little, or count a handful of the stupid, silly little things, you know. God, I am thankful that I am under a roof tonight and it's not raining on me because there's a lot of people that aren't as lucky as I am. Um, and, um, you know, sometimes that those have less are the inspiration, you know like that inspires me to appreciate what I have. You know, I also, I would say like, don't take it so seriously. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, don't, t- don't get bogged down in the, what am I going to do? And what's, you know, what's my career and where am I going to be in five years and where am I going to be in 10 years? And, 
how am I going to, you know, and I guess part of that is, uh, you know, not taking yourself so seriously is, again, just being in the moment. Just be. Just be. Um, and, you, and, you know, I think that's where you find joy and happiness and satisfaction. Um, and, and so the other part of the advice I would say is kind of what we were talking about a little bit earlier, Ali, is um, for me the difference is when, when you feel that negative thing or you think about that, it's okay to let that happen. It's okay that you got pissed off about that or something made you angry or, 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 you know, I feel like crap and I'm going to eat the tub of Ben and Jerry's. It's okay that you're not Mr. Positive all the time because no one is. So let yourself have that and then get out of it. Mm -hmm. Anybody who says they are positive like that all the time is lying. They're crazy. They're just, really, they're just good at faking it. There's no way. Cray cray. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, I want to thank you so much for sharing uh, your story with us and being so open. Um, selfishly for myself, I just want to say that you are an inspiration for me and a lot of things that I've been able to do in my life of being able for people who know I went to college in Philadelphia, was able to live with Will and his family for uh, two years, and that was so influential just to get out and see a bigger city. And just the way in which you approach life and are so willing to adapt and, you know, just transition, I think has been so influential to me. And so I thank you for sharing your story, which can be very difficult. And for people who say I'm a little too private, I'm glad to share. Uh, a piece of my family with all of you because I think that you're such a wonderful person and I knew that you'd have such a really tremendous message that could resonate with a lot of people. So, No, thanks, Aunt. You know, you just reminded me of uh, a book of a good old friend of mine gave me a long time ago when I lived in Baltimore and it was Maya Angelou's book, um, Life Doesn't Frighten Me, her poem. That's a okay. good poem to, to look up. Um, and that will give you, uh, you know, a good direction for, you know, going for it. I typed in life doesn't and life doesn't frighten me automatically populated on Google. <laughs> the Google is listening. listening. That's the <laughs> <laughs> Will, and I, Will and I are both in agreement that Google is listening. Life doesn't frighten me. But we got me. headphones on that couldn't. No, it's all there. <laughs> it's all there. Well, I want to say thank you too, Will. This um, I got a little bit emotional at the end there. Uh, I think that's something everybody needs to check in with themselves often. Let themselves feel negative feelings. Know that there's a bigger picture to look at and not the little things that happen throughout the day. And I needed to be reminded to count my blessings for sure. Um and I learned a lot about ALS, too. I had no idea. And now I will be able to try to understand when I meet somebody else with the same diagnosis and have or a jumping off point. So, or others. Or others, yeah. Yeah, yeah and, and go check out the ALS Foundation. You know, the Ice Bucket Challenge, how that became, that actually really put yeah. ALS on the map. 
and uh, they're doing a that. lot of good. Good. They're doing a lot of good, uh, you know, research, and you know, there's a lot of people. Even though it's pretty rare, there's a lot of people that that are struggling with it. So, and I will say that my greatest blessing is Daja, my wife. She is just, um, you know, without her, I really don't know where I would be, uh, you know, especially with this diagnosis and everything. She's just, she's my humble hero. You know, she, uh, and, and it's not just with me, with our family, friends, she she works hard and she's always working to make life better for other people all the time and she uh, you know i just can't say enough good things about her um somehow for some reason uh i was blessed with her coming in my life do we really need to record this now what are you hungry i ordered taco bell all right what did you get <laughs> <laughs> well when it's on postmates it's a little bit overwhelming because you can see the entire menu but i went with a cheesy gordita crunch yep yep they no longer have loaded potato grillers, which was the, my favorite thing on the menu. So instead, I got a beefy five layer. Down for it. And uh, cheesy, cheesy roll up, of course. Okay. to go with one. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I need to eat, too. You can't have my Taco Bell. I can't believe what you do. Postmates, why not Uber Eats? Um, I had a free delivery thing on Postmates. Mm. Okay. I don't really think of Uber Eats as often as I think of Postmates. I don't know why. What's the other one? I think there's another one. Grubhub. DoorDash. Grubhub. DoorDash. Okay. What I got an account on all of them because I'm a lazy bitch. <laughs> okay. Well, how long until it gets there? What's the delivery time? It frame? says delivery by 925. Okay. So right. we're good. Well, should we talk about Will? Why don't we start talking about Will? I think, well, I had a, uh, I'm so glad we got to do that and uh, talk to him. He's, you know, really, as I pointed out, he's really inspirational to me. And, yeah. uh, you know, he's just a very interesting person who has a really good perspective on life and, you know, what it yeah. means to be... Uh, alive and present so very fortunate to have him yeah as in my circle i legit got choked up at the end yeah yeah um uh, it which i'm laughing when i say that because his podcast has just been silliness and nonsense but mm -hmm. the when he was talking about like check in with your blessings count your blessings and what that meant to him i mm -hmm. was like you're so right. Yeah. The fight I got in with my friend earlier doesn't mean anything because I have a roof over my head. And I'm making light of it, but seriously, it um, was a check-in I needed. That's good. Yeah. No, I mean, it's all about I, I um, being present and in the moment and not taking anything for granted. 
And I, I love the point of. Uh, yeah, that t- when he was talking about being present and not thinking like what you could have, what you will be doing, like think of what you have now and be grateful and uh, yeah, check in with yourself where you at are at currently because if you're always thinking like what i don't have mm-hmm. you're not you're not gonna ever appreciate what you do so but what i, I what has resonated that. with me the most is to not take yourself too seriously and i think that <laughs> i i love yeah. that i love that because <laughs> i do because it's too often we get caught up in the you know in every day and we like if i don't make this certain chess move then it's not going to play out in such a way and if i don't you know respond to this person in that way yeah folks, yeah folks, like does it really matter folks, it doesn't it, yeah, matter it, it certainly it matters in the short term but by god in the long term when you're looking back and you're being reflective it doesn't yeah. matter it does and that's what i, I know. always try to think about because that's think about and apply to what i'm doing currently because that's how you make the most of, you know, what's before you and and uh, really thrive. That is a lot easier said than done for some people, including myself, mm-hmm. <laughs> that I really need to work on. This is not a big deal. Yeah. Like I get so worked up over the stupidest little things. Anyway, my point being talking to him gave a lot of perspective. Mm hmm. And I learned a lot. Um, yeah. Just having him as a resource to ask that those kind of questions was really nice. Um, yeah, I could have talked to him for like three hours. That's good. Well, we, so we, we kind of did. We 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 kind of went over. <laughs> we we kind of we st- we had to stop the recording and then we talked for you know. We actually Another did this. Minutes. We actually did these these recordings in two sessions, and after each one, we. Ended up talking for about you know a half hour to an hour after each one, and <laughs> yeah. um, no, I I think it's was it's I enjoyed it. By it sure does. Too. You know when you're talking with people who are just so loose and um, have so and much open. to say and open and transparent. Yeah, and wants me to ask questions, which was nice. I had the platform to. Yeah. <laughs> To not worry about, like, is he going to get mad if I ask this? Because I already know he wants to talk about it. Yeah. So it was nice to... I have so many more questions. I can always hit him up, though, because we're besties now. Hit him up. I like that he gives you crap, too. It was off a recording, but <laughs> your family, so he's... Yeah. No, I he's, he's great. Him and his family are wonderful. And him and his family, which is my family, are wonderful. So I was glad to be able it to share him with him. It runs in the family. It sure does. So he set the bar pretty high for our next guest. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Well, Allison, I think that's going to be it for right now. Okay. Thank you, and be kind. Be well, and treat yourself. <laughs> <laughs>